Hello, I'm Andrew Hara, the host of The Bomb Squad. I wanted to tell you about my movies. All are available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. The last ones is a zombie drama about how a pandemic and isolation could drive a group of people mad. When the virus hits, John finds himself alone and scared until he meets Michael, his protector. But when Karina, another survivor, enters the mix, everything that John and Michael knew will be turned on its head. The last one is a zombie virus movie that's somehow even more relevant today. Plus, it has zombies. Check it out. Borderland is a mexploitation film about living in El Paso. When Sarah finds herself in debt to the cartels, she has until sunrise to find some missing monies with the help of her executioner. Borderland is a true midnight movie and a lot of fun. Finally, the documentary Humble Spirits tells the story of the Hahn family, including champion Jennifer Hahn from El Paso, Texas. The entire Hahn family has grown up in the combat sports and has helped shape who they are both in and out of the ring. Humble Spirits, a family of fighters, is the perfect documentary for boxing fans of all ages. Check out Tubi to watch all my films. And now, let's start the show. Hello, I'm Andrew Hara, the host of The Bomb Squad. I wanted to tell you about my movies. All are available on Tubi, which is a free streaming service. The last ones is a zombie drama about how a pandemic and isolation could drive a group of people mad. When the virus hits, John finds himself alone and scared until he meets Michael, his protector. But when Karina, another survivor, enters the mix, everything that John and Michael knew will be turned on its head. The last one is a zombie virus movie that's somehow even more relevant today. Plus, it has zombies. Check it out. Borderland is a mexploitation film about living in El Paso. When Sarah finds herself in debt to the cartels, she has until sunrise to find some missing monies with the help of her executioner. Borderland is a true midnight movie and a lot of fun. Finally, the documentary Humble Spirits tells the story of the Hahn family, including champion Jennifer Hahn from El Paso, Texas. The entire Hahn family has grown up in the combat sports and has helped shape who they are both in and out of the ring. Humble Spirits, a family of fighters, is the perfect documentary for boxing fans of all ages. Check out Tubi to watch all my films. And now, let's start the show. Hello, guys. Welcome to the Bomb Squad. We're back with our Hellraiser franchise rundown. I'm wearing a Mortal Kombat shirt because I don't have a Hellraiser shirt, but I feel like there's chains involved. It's like hell... Scorpions like Pinhead. It's all it's all good. But anyway, we're covering Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth from 1992. And we've brought a special guest. We've brought back Derek. How are you, Derek? I am good. I have a question, Andrew. Yes. Um, who is your main in Mortal Kombat? Um, my main in... Well, it's got to be... It was. It's got to be Raiden. I don't know why I like Raiden so much. Because <laughs> you love Christopher Lambert. When you played yes. it on the Game Gear, you could do the Raiden tornado thing and just kill anyone. And so it was very easy to win. And so he stuck with it. Who's yours? Uh, well, I'll just admit, I've only played Mortal Kombat 11. Never played any of the other games. Um, I, really, I really like Jade. 
and a Scarlet. Jaden Scarlet. Are probably okay, yeah. Oh, and uh, Rain. Nice. Yeah, I feel, well, and I, I'm like one of those Mortal Kombat where when a new game comes out, at least since they started coming out like on the Xbox and they made their combos easier again, I will play as every character just to kind of see who gets the ending. So I've played as everyone. Sure. Usually it's like the kids who aren't that good, like Johnny Blade and Sonya Blade's kids aren't that good at it. But like, even like, and Mortal Kombat is one of the ones where they make, they don't do that thing. Like other than, there's like Scorpion is overpowered, but then everyone else is pretty similarly powered. So like, they don't do the thing where they make the girls a little bit less powered, which I like because I like the girls to like toss someone across the screen with their legs. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because what got me into Mortal Kombat was Injustice. Um, I had played Injustice oh, yeah. and Injustice 2, and then I got Mortal Kombat 11 like a year ago, and <coughs> had a great time with it. Love that you can play Robocop, I think. That's so fun. Uh, and Rambo. Like, that's kind Ninja of Turtles, Rambo. Right? The Ninja Turtles. Yeah. The Ninja Turtles are an Injustice 2, but yes, that is also. It's a similar vibe of, like, why is this happening? But also, hell yeah. Yeah, I, well, I, I'm hoping, I don't know what, if they're ever going to do this, but I'm hoping that they're collecting all these uh, franchise guys so that they can make their own horror fighting video game, because I think that'd be super cool. I don't think logistically it would ever work because of rights issues, but how cool would it be to, like, have... Because right now you could have, like, They've never been able to put Freddy and Jason in the same game, but like you can have Freddy like killing an alien, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I heard, I heard I missed out on Mortal Kombat X, uh, or Mortal Kombat Ten, if you want to, you know, be a dick, um, because that one has Jason, Leatherface, Alien, and Predator in it. Yeah. And that that's like obviously so so my thing. I love all four of those franchises. Um, but never played it. Probably never will. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but if you get that one and you get Alien and Predator, you can turn. Jax gets a special skin so that you can dress him like Carl Urban from Predator One. And when you kill him, you can tear off his arm, and he tries to shoot you. Is that it's real? Thing. Yeah, cool. it's super fun. Well, they should have made him Danny Glover from Predator Two. That would have also worked. He actually fits Danny Glover. Well, I don't know. They're both they're both cops, basically. Yeah, man. Speaking of Predator Two, <laughs> this Hellraiser Three kind of gave me Predator Two vibes. If that makes oh, sense. Oh well, now that we're back, now that Josh is putting us back on our uh, our track, he's, he's raining us in, I guess it, he's not exactly uh, wrong though, right? Like, yeah, it's very like know. it's like like I, I would argue that Hellraiser One takes place in the real world almost, and then Predator Hellraiser Three takes place in the cartoon well, Predator Two world. If that makes before sense. Before we go on, Josh, give us a description of Hellraiser Three: Hell on Earth, 1992's JD Monroe, the best character of all time. JP. JP, bro, not JD. And okay. I was, Eric is trying to strong arm me now, but I just want to be clear that I asked him earlier if he wanted to be on the JP Monroe podcast, and he didn't know who that was. Yeah, well, because you said JD. You said JD. 
<laughs> well, he doesn't. He never pronounces it correctly, so I feel like I shouldn't have to pronounce it. Many other characters um, do, though. Yeah, that is true. But yeah, yeah it's, what's this movie about? It's a reporter who's looking for a hot scoop and gets a little more than she's bargained for. Question mark. Yes, perfect. But uh, yeah, I'm going back to your original point. I do feel like if you look at like Predator Two, Hellraiser Three, Demolition Man, they all take place in this weird '90s LA. It's not necessarily real, but it's like, what if yeah. LA was had like warriors style gangs and we just pretended that that's what's actually happened? Hellraiser Three like, explicitly takes place in New York City. Yeah, but it feels like because it was clearly it's like not, you know what it, it is because we we just watched End of Days, which also takes place in New York City, but it was clearly just filmed in L.A. Yeah. And this looks the exact same as yeah. End of Days. So and until like and every time that they tell us it's in New York City, I immediately disregard that because it's so much like Los Angeles, California. But yes, okay. So what did you guys think of this movie? I mean. Me personally, I liked. I think it's better than two. I think I, I have to say, I I saw we saw two again, and I was like, oh, this wasn't as as uh, it was a little bit more shaky than I remember. I have to say, Hellraiser three, it might be better for me. It might be better than two. I really liked it. I think so, both yeah. of you are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think I, you guys like Freddy's dad, so like I'm not like I know who I'm talking to, right? But like, <laughs> don't use that against me. Do you not like, you do you, do you not like whimsy in film? <laughs> no, I actually really don't like whimsy. <laughs> Sorry that I that my imagination is still open to our take. Years. Our our take was so atrocious. See, yeah, better than Hellbound. Better than Hellbound. You must be joking. No. <laughs> No, this is the third best Hellraiser movie, and that is, you know, I will I will fully admit that, but it is firmly in... <coughs> Jesus Christ. Third place. That was okay, so, so real because we, we've jumped a bunch of tears, but yes, Hellraiser 3, it was not directed by Clive Barker. He wasn't involved. Um, it was directed by Anthony Hickox and Peter Atkins at the original story. Who um he did part two, right? Derek, catch me on any of this. It stars Terry Farrell, Doug Bradley. Terry Farrell's from Deep Space Nine, guys. I don't know if you knew that. And it also stars Paula Marshall from the program, who I feel like every time I saw her in a to be honest, 90% of the reason I like this movie is because of Paula Marshall, because I had a crush on her as a kid. And it's continued to this day. But um, but yeah, it's uh I don't know. I feel like there there's so much going on in this movie because it starts off with Terry Farrell and she's playing Joey and she's like a reporter, but she's not getting any good gigs. She's like getting like uh, the terrible gigs that you get when you when you're not really a good reporter. And so she wants a good gig, and so they're like, "Hey, you got." And first of all, they have a scene where they're like in the newsroom, and then the editor comes in and he's like. You gotta show more skin. <laughs> you, you, like, you've worked in newsrooms. Does that happen, Andrew? Well, they do kind of tell you what to wear or not wear, but if anything, it usually goes the other way where they tell you to be more conservative. See, but the opening is weird, though, because she's covering a story where they're like, 
oh, not a lot of accidents in the emergency room right now. Like, no one's, it's, like, empty and abandoned. And I was like, oh, is this, like, a weird, like, because, you know, at the end of Hellraiser 2, all the Cenobites get destroyed? I was like, oh, yeah. is it, like, the Cenobites aren't around, so, like, deaths are down? But it's like, no, totally unrelated. That does not come back. <laughs> it was just a weird, a weird reason for her to be in a hospital. Well, Hell on Earth hasn't gotten here yet, Josh. I don't know if you knew that. But it doesn't get here until Hellraiser comes. <laughs> You know what I mean. I like the implication that, like, the Cenobites were causing so many deaths that, <laughs> like, for the, it, like, they're not Jason. <laughs> like, it's not keeps around. To be fair, in this movie, Pinhead kills so many people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he kills hundreds of people. I was surprised. They also, like, they, okay. they do imply in this movie that just the presence of a box will, like, make things more well, Cenobite-esque. Okay. So here's the thing. So, like, there's also a club owner by the name of J.P. Monroe, and he um, has the best haircut that I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> and he, like, collects art of, like, gross art. Like, uh, his haircut's, like, kind of his like, haircut's so bad I thought he was homeless in the first scene that he's he introduced. Kind of, he kind of looks like... What uh, Harry Osborne looks like in the comic books, where he has the big floppy hair. But J.P. Monroe, he loves to collect horror things, and he has a girlfriend that's Paula Marshall. And, well, kind of like a girlfriend. She thinks, well, anyway, her name's Terry, and she's like a club girl, and she like, oh, she's like, oh, I'll help you find some art. And so she finds him the... The Can I just say, too, my main complaint, now this is another thing this movie has over, too, the pillar in part two at the end, dreadful arts and craft project. This pillar, quite good. Well, that pillar was a last minute addition, so we don't hold that. Against I know, but I'm saying, like, clearly, this is what they wanted the pillar to be. You know? Yeah. Well, it's also like the last one. They didn't know if they were going to bring it back. It was only for one. Right, scene. but it's a good link. Like... It's almost like the pillar so... developed itself. You know? Mm-hmm. It's cool. And JP gets the pillar, and Pinhead is stuck in the pillar. And so a lot of the movie is Pinhead, like, or, like, logistically, it's Doug Bradley. And he's, like, in this, like, giant, like, uh, thing that they've built for him just to put his face in so you can, uh, so you can see him. And well, we could... Had to, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, I was agreeing with you. We get a good 30 minutes into the movie before Doug Bradley even comes alive. Yeah. So, like... It doesn't have a lot of Pinhead, but it uses him right. a lot once he's there, right? Yeah. Like, it's funny that he shows up way later and also is on screen for so much longer than he is in the first Hellraiser. Yeah, yeah. Well, and okay, so here's the thing about the pillar that I don't know if you guys noticed, but in the pillar, you see the lament configuration. But also, the lament, they also have the lament configuration just kind of hanging around the whole movie. So what the hell was that one? Is there multiple ones? Is anyone... They broke it off. They broke it off. Okay. That's why he... um, So the guy, the kid that gets exploded in that first scene, right? He has... He has the box in his hands. And then later we see the pillar and there's a big hole in it. And JP sticks his hand in and the rat bites him. 
That's mm, yeah, what the box yeah, yeah. was. Because also Terry, when they're in the apartment, says this was on like the statue. Like he broke it off the statue or something. Right, but then later, and this might just be a continuity error where they use some previously used footage, but there's a scene right before Leatherface, or right when Terry sees the pillar once she knows what it is, where they're going around it and you see the box again, and I'm starting to think that that was a continuity error. That could be. They might have shot that scene first, and they only had the one pillar, so they had to actually break it, and... uh... Because I was like, I thought it broke off, and then I was like, maybe it grows back after a while, and then I was just very confused from that one shot. <laughs> continuity, it's not that important, but sometimes it is. If we want to talk about continuity, Pinhead can just kill people in this movie. He doesn't even need yeah. sex. <laughs> not only yeah, that, he, but he, 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 he can make you that, I he think can... that's so fun. But, it's a little Freddy's to Freddy's too, or Nightmare on Elm Street too. It's like you know too. what he just kills everyone he meets, but he can like make a bunch of people into Cenobites who were not really like even involved. Yeah, like pleasure seeking. Like they're just like, oh, I got you. You're a Cenobite. Like the guy he he hits with JP combat. JP makes sense. JP makes sense to become a Cenobite, yeah. but I think he becomes a Cenobite a little too early. <laughs> like. The second person he tries to feed to Pinhead, and you're all <laughs> you get like, my, my so, God, rule of threes, so, come on. I, well, and I agree. So, okay, so JP, Pinhead starts talking to JP, and he tells him, like, oh, I need blood to come out. And so JP, like, there's a long extended sequence where JP's, like, having a conversation. And see, that's one of the things I liked, and I like it even more a little bit later, and I'll bring it up. But you do get a lot of because Pinhead's stuck in this pillar and he can't. He's really powerless, and so he has to use his persuasion. Well, like he can get you if you're close. Yeah, he can get. But you he have has to like a two like foot reach. Yeah. yeah, and so he has to use his brains to like figure stuff out. And luckily, he's he's been owned by the most morally dubious man ever put on screen and so but i do like that aspect of him that they kind of really like they could have easily had pinhead like leave the pillar as soon as the box left the pillar and had him just kind of become adjacent but the fact that they really kind of like took their time with it i think it it really is on one of the movie's sides you know yeah I also thought the the reporter was pretty good. I don't know the idea of a reporter looking into crazy horror movie deaths. I feel like I'm like, eh, yeah, that no, I I think the story is actually pretty strong. Mm-hmm. That said, I have some problems with this script, uh, <laughs> namely that it feels like a first draft of a Hellraiser <laughs> three script. There's so many things that are like. This feels weird or disjointed. There is, uh, when, when she's looking, she's trying to find the girl who, like, was in the hospital when that guy got, like, killed by chains. And so she just goes to the bar, is like, I'm looking for a pretty girl. And the bartender's like, oh, yeah, go over there. It's like, um, this is a bar. There's a woman every five feet. Yeah. Well, maybe the bartender's just really, like, like cool. It felt like, like a filler line they never replaced. She's like, pretty girl? There, I find every girl pretty, and so he just sends her the first. Well, and I think, like, okay, here's 
I, I usually don't like to like rewrite a script, but I kind of feel like, and I like Terry Farrell. I like her character. I like the way they switched it. I like the way she did it, but I feel like Joey and um, Terry, especially near the end, should have switched places. Because Terry, to me, is a much more interesting character. She has much more to gain and to lose. And I feel like if they had kept uh, Joey as the kind of like psycho uh, character, like the Vivian Lee, who like she spends the whole, you spend the whole first half with her and then she's taken out and it kind of like sets the stakes and it also flips everything on his head. I feel like that would have made this movie even, even better than part two, which it already is on the verge. It's not, but (laughs) I just, I, I, I disagree because mostly because I don't think that that works with the tone the movie's going for. I think it's so Hellraiser three hell on earth is a movie that is ultimately quite silly. Right. Right. But I feel like it isn't silly in spite of itself. Not like it's not silly because it wants to be silly. I feel like the tone, if you're just looking at the story beats, it's a pretty operatic, like, tragedy. Mm -hmm. And for that reason, the most boring character needs to be the main character, because every character you invest in has to have, like, an unhappy ending. And so that that I like. I think... Again, it's just that they, I think they rush into the final sequence too early. I think this movie has a really short second act. Yeah. And the third act is too long. It starts too early. Because um, I would argue the third act starts as early as when Terry leaves Joey's apartment. Yeah. And there's a good 40 minutes left in the movie of this 98-minute movie. I don't actually yeah. know. Yeah, well, I know... To do, like, a quick rundown of the plot structure of this movie, like, so the whole, like, the whole first act is pretty long, and it's just kind of, like, introducing Terry, introducing JP, introducing uh, Joey, introducing the pillar, and then you have the pillar, like, coming to life, and then it's kind of, like, gaining sentience, and then JP realizes that um, if he feeds Hellraiser blood, it, it starts to become more alive, and so then they have, like, this huge thing and JP doesn't want to do it, but then Pinhead knows things that he shouldn't. And so he eventually convinces JP to, to do it. And so JP has to bring like sacrifices to Pinhead. And then he does it once and then he does it again. And on the second time, the whole movie, that's like, that's what Derek was saying. Like that's one of the big climaxes of the movie because. Yeah. It, it, it does. It, like, in a high he gear. brings Terry. And as soon as he brought Terry, I was like, no, it's too soon to bring Terry. And by the way, she is on screen as a Cenobite for less than a minute. Yeah. yeah. That is true. That was and very that's, like, Again, like 20 minutes later. Right. <laughs> yeah, but the compact disc guy is as a Cenobite for like Jesus. 10 full minutes. <laughs> yeah, so like, okay, so... It's looking one. Yeah, the, the CD guy really like the camera guy. I could be like, okay, it, it doesn't make sense. It works. Well, they even CD kind of guy. imply 
the the camera guy's in love with the reporter, so you can almost be like, oh, Pinhead yeah, like, yeah, played yeah. that. The seedy yeah. guy was just a guy in the bar standing there who's like, ah. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the barbed wire there. guy. Why is the barbed yeah. wire guy's power to blow fire? Oh. That doesn't make sense. Why yeah. does CD guy only move in robotic? Like, that doesn't really make sense. Um, it's funny because it's... Also, I can what is this? Oh, go okay. ahead. Uh, I just checked. This movie is 93 minutes. That is the exact same runtime as both Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2. The problem is this story is so much bigger than the story in both Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2, despite having roughly the same amount of central characters. Right. And that's always just going to cause... If there was ever a Hellraiser movie that needed to be two hours long, it certainly wasn't the one that came out last year. It was this one. <laughs> yes, yeah. I could agree with that. And I also, like, it is... Because not only do they do that, but, like, I mean, these are all completely different characters. They spend a lot of time recapping part one and two when they don't need to spend as much time as they do doing it. And, like, it's kind of cool that they do because it, it connects everything. But considering, like you said, that it's such a short length and they're literally bringing Penhead to the planet Earth as opposed to, like, being in his kind of pseudo half-and-half place that he had been living, you'd think that they would have spent more time with that, but no, they really, like, don't have the time. But they do have the time to, like, have us watch Kirsty on, like, a video, like, explaining what the Cenobites are. I like like a lot of that. That was fun. I always like it when, like, you know, we get a little cameo from a from a final girl. Right. If I was rewriting the script, like, this is just me. It's like, if, if I got this draft handed into me and I was told to, like, punch it up or whatever, I'd add ten pages. I would cut the CD and the barbed wire centibites completely because why? <laughs> I would give... Doc, as a Cenobite and as a character, more to do. I would, and then I would have more time with JP and Terry as Cenobites, and a little more time between Terry and Joey, just between the two of them, uh, because I like their relationship so much. I think it's so fun. Um, This is the Nightmare 2 of Hellraiser movies. I know you already made that comparison, not just because Pinhead's powers are very different compared to what they used to be, but also it's kind it's very, very lesbian coded. Uh, Terry and Joey have, have a very intimate relationship. Um, and in, in a romantic comedy, if, if Terry or if Terry or Joey was a, a man in, in this movie came out in 19, excuse me, 1992, they would have been that they would have been love interests. Right. And yeah. uh, so I think I would have uh, I would have focused on those elements, cut a lot of the extraneous, like edgy images, like stuff at the boiler room that feels pointless. Um, I don't know. I will say, I, I will I, say my, my criticism, what I would cut if we're, you know, doing script doctor. I would get rid of good World War II pinhead. Oh, get him out of there. I would get rid of all the dream stuff. It's so fucking yeah. stupid. <laughs> and the dream stuff, like, you keep expecting it to matter more, but it really, like, I mean, he kind of, and then, okay, so 
She's having these dreams, and Pinhead in World War II is like she's having her dream, dreams of her father dying in Vietnam. Her father and is also dying it in mixes, Vietnam. yeah, it also mixes all together. Right, but here's Vietnam the thing: Pinhead, I, well, good Pinhead gives her the most basic. I call him Goodhead. Advice, yeah. <laughs> Flathead, yeah, he gives her the most basic advice that I could have. Pro- like he's like, oh, you're gonna need the box. If, she, if it was her, I'd be like, yeah, no shit. The thing that came off of the pillar that he's trying to get back, I assume that's going to play a big part in this whole situation. You know what's and crazy? So- he serves the same purpose as Kirsty does. Like, they do the same thing. Yeah. And Kirsty accomplishes like it. it in one minute of archival, <laughs> like, video footage. So they also they do the terrible where like the the two pinheads are facing off. It's like hello me, and it's like don't <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> I I I yeah, it's it's uh, it's all very strange that 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 whole aspect of the because it's like pinhead isn't Freddy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like why does this one liners now? Yeah. Okay, so because there's a scene and where Pinhead's in a church and he's like chasing Terry and he finds her in a church and there's like a priest and then he like pokes a, he like gives himself the stigmata and he like goes so good. it's a super cool scene but it also it feels like Freddy Krueger would do that scene as opposed to because he, he's taunting a bit much no I, I but I don't know he doesn't taunt oh go ahead. No, 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 we were all speaking over each other. No one, like... <laughs> but yeah, because Pinhead taunts, but not like that. That feels like a Freddy taunt, you know? I do See, I do like earlier in the movie when um, he's coming out of the pillar and they go like, Jesus Christ, and he goes, not quite. So it's like, that's <laughs> yeah, the kind of dry like that's Pinhead. That's line. Pinhead, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pinhead is a... Pinhead's snarky. Pinhead is, like, mm-hmm. very direct... And so sometimes that can be like a little funny, but he's not like he's not quippy. Yeah, he shouldn't. Be. Yeah, he's, shouldn't. He's, he's not, not welcoming you to prime time, bitch. Yeah, exactly. No, no, no. And when Freddy does it, it's iconic. And when Pinhead does it, it's confusing. <laughs> also, that's yeah. the stigmata scene is of all the Hellraiser movies I've seen. It's the only scene I've had to look away from for gore. It's so oh. gross. I could not watch it. I almost threw up. It was, it really. It's a cool scene. It takes a long time. It's real nasty. I. <laughs> yeah. I feel like this movie, like, even though this movie is like a different tone, I do still like they kept a lot of the similar, like, practical effects. Like, when JP feeds the first girl to, um, to the pillar, like, Pinhead picks her up and he like rips off all her skin and you see her like and they the actress who's playing it I think her name's A.G. Smith her she has like huge eyes and so when you take all the skin off of her it looks even worse like it looks terrible and gross you know and so I and really then like it's good until he starts eating her and then it's like this is this effect is not good but the actual skin ripping effect looks awesome. Yeah, he yeah, he like eats her like he it might like be the best movie. one of the first three movies. 
it, yeah, it looks really good. It looks super cool. And, I, like, and so that, that scene, that scene starts with like a pretty long sex scene with him like <laughs> like banging out his like groupie. The only important he, scene in the movie, if you're asking. He's, he's such a hedonist. He's smoking during it, and I was just like, doesn't that really like diminish? Like, isn't that like having your dessert during dinner? <laughs> right. <laughs> what are you doing? Like, put his cigarette on her or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like I was directing yeah. this movie. That's what I would have done. <laughs> and, no. I like, and he's like spread out. You never see a guy as spread out as JP is in in like a like a mainstream sex scene because his arms are like all leg. Like I don't. It's it was, it's like he thinks funny. he's like a god, and he is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, well, and I do want to say, okay, so that scene is cool, and then. So then he calls Terry and Terry goes over. And so he's trying to get Terry to like, you know, come to me. I want to give you a hug and forgive me. But he's just trying to get her in the play alert. And Terry keeps like saying no. And she's finally grown. And then he like tries to drag her and beat her up. And then she like punches him. With a brass um, knuckle. Which it's yeah. also like, Terry, you had these brass knuckles. You waited a very long time to pull them out. Because he like dragged her from the bed. <laughs> he was like pulling her. And like her shirt was like riding up. Like that had to hurt, even like in real life when they were filming, it had to hurt a little bit. But anyway, she was so looking for the brass knuckles that we all knew she had the whole time. Right. <laughs> it took so long. It did not come out of nowhere. But then she's like gonna leave, and Pinhead like stops her and he's like starts talking to her, and she's been kind of like the whole movie. Her character's like she's kind of depressed. She's kind of like she a sad she person. doesn't dream when she sleeps, which is yeah. actually a thing that can really happen. Some people mm-hmm. don't actually have dreams when they go to the sleep. It and is, that's... and it's okay. so it, it would be more interesting in a nightmare movie. Yeah, that is. Yeah. <laughs> I do kind of feel like this movie might have been a nightmare movie. They just kind of switched names. It, it, it's it's really funny too. Like Terry didn't open the box. There's no reason she should have stayed in the room after she saw him like violently murder JP Monroe. JP didn't open the box. (laughs) Just open the box. The statue, and he's a hedonist, so he was on board. There's no reason she should have been on board. Yeah. Well, and but I really like that scene because it kind of shows, like we've seen the JP. You know, and the and the uncle, like when they want to do it because of this sense of like they've already reached, they've already tasted every vice, and so they want that last one. Yeah. But seeing Pinhead talk to Terry, you kind of see the other allure of like Pinhead's like you've been searching for like answers and for a way to like connect your entire life. Let me give that to you, and I think that that's. If anything, like, I know there's a lot of scenes in here that doesn't feel like Pinhead, but I really like the way they wrote Pinhead in that scene just because it does feel like this guy could be charming enough, despite the fact that he literally has pins on his head, to to convince you that what you want is what he wants. And I really, I mean, that was top-notch. The movie's good for that scene alone. It's so good. I, th- I think he court he courts Terry for the same reason the Cenobites go after Kirsty, right? Like, it, it's it's someone you know who they either correctly or incorrectly believe is unfulfilled, and mm-hmm. uh, there there's um, great territory to manipulate and corrupt there. 
And I think that is why the Cenobites answer when Kirsty opens the box. Because remember, as established in Hellraiser 2, if you open the box, but you don't want anything, the Cenobites will leave you alone. Yeah. And so they, I think he's attracted to her for the same reason that they are ultimately come for Kirsty, is that they are ultimate, their their current lives are unfulfilling in some way to them. Yes, yeah, yeah, and I really, yeah, and I, I love that they showed that aspect of it and the way Pinhead can kind of get in your brain. And also, okay, so after that scene, Pinhead is out. He's in. He's no longer confined by any limitations. Can I say too? Because J.P. Monroe lives above a bar. And like he owns the bar, he's a very right. well the most soundproof apartment in the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, it should have been a Matrix style BDSM bar because that would have been like okay, Pinhead's like going after people who are like kind of halfway in that world. But there were guys just like shooting pool. <laughs> like, do those guys deserve to get chained to death by Pinhead? I don't think so. Yeah. And it's funny, like it was also the scene where. A, a classy restaurant? Yeah, it, was, yeah. it was everything they wanted it to be. There was, I mean, there was yeah, a restaurant, there was a, a dive bar, there was like a rave bar sex. This this bar has everything. Yeah. It's so like as soon as Oh yeah, as soon as JP closes the door, every sound from that bar is gone. You can't hear anything that's going on outside the door. He is rich, so he probably soundproofed his floor and walls. Yeah, it'd be funny if Pinhead just couldn't get out because the door was so like air sealed shut. But yeah, and then okay, and then that leads Pinhead to does seal some doors shut. Pinhead does steal, seal some other doors shut later. Yes, yeah, and that scene leads to another. So Pinhead's out, he comes out, and then he goes down to the bar, and he kills the bar slash restaurant slash club that everyone in LA is at. New York, and he kills everyone. In I mean, it was crazy how many people he killed. Like, you just hear things going off. You see, like people getting chain shot. Through. And again, from every rule established, none of those people wanted any of that. But Pinhead was just like, whatever. I know you want something, and so he just kills everyone. It's crazy, and it's not hell. It's not Pinhead. But it is very Hellraiser, I think. All the violence is. And it's very cool, too. So, like... I'm a big believer in rule of cool should come first. And... uh, So... I'll allow it because... If I'm buying into this movie's explanation... that, that That the pure Cenobite and the pure human parts of Pinhead... Have become separated... And that the Cenobite is what we were told the Cenobites were in the first two movies, which is unshackled sensation. Sure. Makes sense. I, I could see him having absolutely no restraints. And looking back, because we we now know that the Cenobites were partially human, their restraint is consent, right? Like, the yeah. Cenobites require consent uh, of some kind to um, interact with you, if we will. And in this movie, he removes the need for that by removing his humanity entirely. So that's an interesting concept. 
but I feel like there's a better way to explore that than the dumb dream stuff. Because the dream stuff is very dumb, and I feel like I can't emphasize how dumb it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it, like, the dream stuff is also, like, the amount of budget that went to the dream stuff, like, you have... World War Two. You have Vietnam sets. You have to mix them all together. You have to get the cost. Like, just also, it's very kill more people. I, I wouldn't really associate like war with like the Cenobite thing because they're more like about like self harm. You know, like it's not right. Like, war yeah, it's seems like, like war, of good or bad. War always has a goal at the end of it. You know, and the Cenobites more like it's more about pleasure than necessarily like oh if we. You get this, or we want this is because even movie. even know, endless pleasure and pain. Mixed well, that's like, that's why it makes sense as a backstory for okay. Pinhead, right? Because it's a desensitization thing, but it doesn't make sense as like a, I don't know, as as the ongoing story for him. I guess like yeah, it I, feels like, weird that it defines him in that way. Yeah. yeah. Because, like, yeah. when I think of Pinhead, the first thing I think of is not, he was a soldier at one time. <laughs> it's not the first thing that comes into my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say about that club scene, like, it's it's done well. And I really like, there's like a scene, like, you, you get this shot where everyone thinks they're going to get out. And they're, like, running towards the door. And then Pinhead closes it. And then the camera, like, we go on the other side of the door. And you just hear chains going off. And then slowly, like, blood starts to drip down the door, and you're, like, that was so cool. It was such a great show. How did, it, how did you guys feel about the cop <laughs> scene? So they, kill, they kill a bunch of cops. See, again, cut the other two Cenobites. Cut that whole mess. But also cut, like, one or two of the deaths from the club. Like, the water death that didn't really make any sense. And um, right. I was really confused by that. And I have been every time I watched it. I was like, so he becomes ice and impales her and then just stays there, I guess. Yeah, it's okay. It's like, yeah, I remember watching that and be like, he didn't have, because he comes out and it's his. It's face. another power he hasn't had before. <laughs> yeah, and then he's he like tells her and then he like turns into a spirit and stabs her. And I was like, Pinhead didn't have to come out. Like he just wanted to be mean. <laughs> exactly. Like cut that one. I don't know, cut a couple, maybe one or two more. And add some interesting set pieces to the Joey Chase. Because right. all of the environment stuff in the Joey Chase is really cool. And every time she interacts with another person and that person gets killed, it's really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> like, I also... I, as silly as it is, I like when all the water starts coming and the wires are, like, you know, electrifying it and she has to run up on the... Like, that's funny because it's part of... It, it's it's yes. pushing her forward, right? It's literally pushing her to the, dest- to, the, to the destination. And all the explosions and stuff, that shit's cool. I wish... I almost wish it had just been, like, bigger stunts in that way. Like, bigger, like, Pinhead controlling the environment to lure her 
to the final confrontation. I think that would yeah, be interesting. Yeah. Or I think it even would have been cool because like there's that scene where she goes and sees the aftermath of the of the murders and like that scene was generally terrifying and like because like she's going through all these bo- there's so many bodies that she can't even walk without stepping on someone you know and I yeah. feel like they could have like made that set because it was a great set just made that into like maybe Pinhead's turning that build the nightclub into I mean it's been such a big set piece throughout the whole movie just put the climax there it- yeah I would have preferred. You know, that as opposed to like the walking down the street He Man style ending. Yeah, I mean it's very of its time, right? And so I can appreciate that, like literally some of the shots are like from above and like her running. I'm like, this is very '90s TV. But I can appreciate that aspect of it while also just wishing, like, I wish it was just more Joey focused. Like that chase scene, yeah. it feels like it's Joey just getting a bunch of other people killed. <laughs> she gets so many people yeah, killed. She tries, she tries really hard to, to like get them to not die. They're just all so stupid. Yeah, I know. I do like that yeah. the priest is like, there's no such thing as demons. It's like, you, you gotta at least be a little bit skeptical. Guy. Guy, is this not your job? You can at least fake it to you like make it, my person friend. You should still believe in demons. <laughs> also, okay, and I don't know if you guys will know this. Josh, you all have to tell me. Does it feel like this movie was shot where they shot Angel Grove for the Power Rangers? Because I kind of feel like a lot of it looked like Angel Grove. I mean, it's been like, you know, 25 years. But it does have that Southern California set look to it. Which know? is yeah, like this. because I just looked and this movie was filmed in NoCal. Yeah. See, yeah, I can't. Yeah, it's such a. It's so funny, but yeah, and so she's getting chased, and there's like centibites. Like he keeps making more centibites. Like Derek said, he makes one that was the bartender who has barbed wire, and he has a bottle, but he's spitting out fire. It just feels like you spent a lot of time explaining why this guy's shooting fire when you could have just done. The cameraman kills people and says that's a wrap. The cameraman's making quips and, like, his lens shoots... Like, why doesn't the lens shoot lasers or chains or something? It just kind of, like, extends. It's like the xenomorph. It's it's a xenomorph, right? Like the xenomorph tongue. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think the dock centibite is cool enough where, like, I wouldn't... Like, I would just cut the other two and not him. I might design him a little differently. Um. Yeah. Well, I like the Doc. He's cool. I, it's just like, Doc is such a weird character because he's throughout the whole movie and he becomes a Cenobite. But he's just kind of there to like be fat exposition and then to like give the reporter hugs. Like that's his only like role. Yeah, I do feel thing. like there was a cut because he's even like, oh, he got me off screen. I'm a Cenobite now. She's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Exactly. Show that a little bit. Make I think if they had used, again, some of that extra 10 minutes I'm trying to give them. Give a scene between Doc and Joey. Establish their friendship a little more and show us how Pinhead got him. Because what? He's just there? Yeah. Very convenient. Yeah, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. But I do, I do well, like the like, silliness. They do like, okay, because though at the end when Pinhead's like going to see her, then you find out that JP... 
and Terry also got turned into Cenobites. And like Jason Cenobite gets turned so into a Cenobite. We see Pinhead shove that piston in his head. Yeah, and it's like, also, but like all the Cenobites in this movie are just like, oh, you just had some something shoved in your head. Yeah, is that? Well, I always thought like, I always thought that like I didn't think Pinhead died by them shoving like the things in his head. I kind of like thought that that was like mutually agreed that they both wanted it. The whole time, you know, like, I didn't think that, like, oh, they're gonna, I don't know. It just feels weird to be, like, the way you die is gonna play so much into your Cenobite outfit or, like, transformation, where I thought it was more like, you just kind of pick up stuff you like and then you do that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. as you become more demonic. <laughs> yeah. Like, maybe yeah, the chatters. And at first he had lips, and then like after a hundred years, he's like, I don't want these lips anymore. They really fast tracked the the Cenobites in this one. I guess he was a little desperate for for numbers, but if you, but why? He has the powers of a god in this movie. He doesn't need numbers. Yeah, he literally just killed an entire club. What what does he need help for? Then if anything, the other Cenobites just bumble everything up. Also, now I do. The JP Cenobite looks so stupid. It does. It looks so bad, especially well, because like they're all pretty bad. Bad. It doesn't look it's like him at all. <laughs> it doesn't, and it, yeah, they should have kept his hair somehow. That should have <laughs> been what the piston was. It should have been used to recreate his haircut. That's the only way I can recognize him. It like JP looks like if you took a um, one of the mutants from the Hills Have Eyes remake and turned that person into a Cenobite. That's kind of what he looks yes, like. Yes, he has yes. Like a long, he has like an elongated head. I don't know what's going on with that. That's like the piston. The skin like grew over it, I guess. <sighs> yeah. And then... I uh, you off, Andrew. Or, or Josh. I, I truly didn't. I was just like so angry about it again. All of a sudden I had to see how stupid the Cenobites I mean, in this movie look. I did like... I don't like good, good head defeating Pinhead, but I do like her throwing the box into the concrete at the construction site, and then it that was cool. It cuts to it built, and then like the entire building's interior looks like a puzzle box. A I'm like, oh, Would, see it like. Wouldn't it have been it. cool? I don't know if you guys have seen the Hellraiser from last year, but wouldn't it have been cool if the building in that movie had turned out to be the building from this movie? Oh, that would have been cool. A lot of things would have been good about the movie last year that didn't happen. So. Also, Terry Cenobite has like she has like she a was just like her throat she was just here. female. She was just female with a with a cigarette now. Yeah, which it's like, oh man, you guys like that is one of the cool things about the remake is that they introduce. I mean, they have the Chatterer, but all the other Cenobites are so different. And, like, it kind of shows you, like, look at how different you can make them. They have and this one, they're just, like... They have they have uh, Chatterer and female. They have Chatterer and female. Right. It's just that they give her... They give female a name instead of just female. They call her, like, the Gasp or something. But... Yeah. Well, it's yeah, and it's 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 such a weird like oh we just have the female Cenobites costume from the last one just give it to her and put like a cigarette on there which like, is you could have had her like not even the same eyes I know it's just they just reused the neck neck gyna design 
And it would have been like, you could have had her eyes closed because she's always dreaming now, you know? Something. Just add more. Yeah, but like leather, like literally, bre- like stitched on yeah, her like face. tearing it to her head. Yeah. Yeah. I think we need to remake this. Just like splice in all the JP scenes so he doesn't change his character at all. It's the same actor, all new people. But yeah, I don't know. I, I did like it. I did think it was fun. The the climax, even though it's pretty big, I did like, like, there's a scene where when Pinhead is confronting Terry and he's like walking and he's like just kind of, like he still commands a presence and Doug Bradley obviously does a great job. It's kind of like, it's so, it there's so much potential, I, I think is the biggest problem with this movie. And I really wish that, like, there's just so much there. Like, not even like, oh, you would have had to refilm it. Like, no, you really just had to, like, kind of tweak it a little bit, and it would have really worked, you know? There's a lot of this movie that, like, just tweak. It was just tweaks away from being, like, a genuinely really good movie. That said, this movie is still a lot of fun. And there are a lot of movies where being a lot of fun doesn't cut it for me. This is not one of them. (laughs) I enjoy this movie for its silliness, for its whimsical nature, if you will. (laughs) Um, Because I think there's enough actual good things here, unlike something like, I don't know, Freddy's Dead, which has no redeeming qualities. Uh, Have you seen a different Freddy's Dead than the one that... Because we've seen the Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a different one, I guess, that you watched. <laughs> That's what I'm convinced everyone that had Hellraiser on their t- on their best of lists last year, I'm convinced Tulu gave me a different file or something. And that I just watched a different movie. Because there are so many people that I follow and respect who had it on their like t- like their best of lists at the end of the year. And I was like, from what? Yeah. But we're not talking about that movie. We're talking about a better Hellraiser movie, Hellraiser 3 Hell on Earth. And. Yeah. Take <laughs> the Cinnabites from Hulu, put them in this movie, and you got. You got. That's all you need to do. Perfect. Don't do anything else. Now, would you have liked the movie last year if the, the compact disc Cinnabite had made an appearance? You know, yes. I would have given it an extra star on Letterboxd, that's for sure. Uh. <laughs> In the best scene where that girl's in the mental institution and it's slowly like becoming the labyrinth, and that's, then you just see the CD guy. He's well, just hanging that's out. the thing. Everyone who the people who made it are, we know they're competent filmmakers, right? They made one of my favorite movies of 2021, The Night House, which I think is a masterpiece. And then they make this, and I just think it's not even so much that I would say it's a bad movie on its own terms. But I think it's a bad Hellraiser movie, and that's kind of important, right? Like, I don't want to watch, like, a movie that's called Hellraiser and feels like it has nothing to do with Hellraiser. Right, right. Yeah, that's like most alien movies, you're like... It's it's kind of like... Anything like it, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that thing where, I don't know, I just, like, I didn't connect to the... I feel like there was this thing that happened when God, the first Godzilla came out with like the, then that Ninja Turtles by Michael Bay came out, where I kind of felt like you guys spent a lot of time building up the, the mythical character, but you didn't build up like the leads. 
So I don't have any connection to them. So I don't really care. Like, you know, I think Pinhead in the remake is done well. I love the acting. I love the way she's presented or he's presented. Um, they, they don't, he doesn't have pronouns. In the I'm remake. pretty sure anyway, Pinhead goes by she. They refer to yeah. her as she in the marketing. Even yeah, though I, but I don't remember them in the movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I know, like, Jamie Clayton, you know, is a woman. And I believe in, like, the, the lead up to, like, the interviews and stuff, they would use she for Pinhead. Um, to cl- I like, I, I think it's a different Pinhead. Like, right. it's unclear at any point whether the movie is supposed to be a true remake or another sequel, which is made most confusing when they use the score from the original movie. Yeah. Granted, but I would have used the remake. That also uses the score from the original movie, and that's very clearly a remake. So it's not the best argument, okay? But like, yeah. I kept hearing people say like, like people from the movie and interviews and stuff be like, "It's not a true remake," and I'm like, "Okay, what is it then?" Right. Right. It's, yeah, I, and I feel like it's one of those things where people, like, they'll they'll just say that to justify it, you know? Like, the new, uh, that Kevin Smith He-Man show, someone was, like, saying it was a spiritual sequel. And it's like, it, I like that show, but it is not a spiritual sequel. It wanted to be, like, a real sequel to the show. And you can like it, too. Just don't, like, don't lie to yourself and say it's something that it's not. Also, it's it can movie. just be a, yeah, it can just be a remake yeah. of Hellraiser. You don't have to... Mm-hmm. Remake isn't, you know, despite what some people online might say, remake's not a dirty word, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with being a remake of a film. We all liked that Texas Chainsaw remake well enough. Like, yeah. Remakes can, and I I famously really like the Friday the 13th remake. Um, remakes can be a lot of fun. They can be good. Uh, but I think it would have been more fun if they had just remade this movie rather than trying to write a whole new thing. Um, yeah. Remake this movie, but with all of my suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Suggestion number one, no flashbacks I, to any war. I am curious where it goes because I've never seen anything like I've, I've past this movie. So, Well, Hellraiser is, is the only movie that is a sequel to this. Really? I didn't know yes. I did not know that. Everything after that is a complete standalone film. Including the one that Kirsty's in. <laughs> right, right. I do like and that's none the thing, like have, I know None of them have yeah. anything to do with these first four movies. Right. So yeah. So, I do know that Kirstie's Are you aware that Hellraiser Four is in space? Yes. I don't know anything about it. Well, Hellraiser 4 is in space. Is good Pinhead wearing an astronaut outfit this time? If you thought this one was 90s, wait until he gets to space. Wait until you see (laughs) Pinhead in space. It is, you know, Leprechaun went to space. Jason went to space. I think Pinhead actually might have gone to space first. Uh, I, I, I don't know about all the release dates on it, but... That probably checks out. Well, I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. Still, well, well, we'll see. I, I would still give this movie good marks. You know, yeah. I'd still put it a little above too. I give it ten out of ten. I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. But 
It's good. I give it 10 JPs out of JP. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think this movie's worth watching. I think it's fun in a way that, like, especially, like, maybe you saw the first two Hellraisers and they're a little bit much for you because they are more serious and darker. This one's a good one. Like, if someone who wasn't that into horror wanted to start getting into Hellraiser, it wouldn't be the worst idea to show this one first and then be like, it's going to get better from here. That was fun. It kind of gets you in the mood, but let's get to the main course. <laughs> sure. My one problem there is that someone who's not into horror might be really put off by all the gore in this movie, um, which is not necessarily this. It, it, it's not. The gore in this movie is not like there's a different level here than the gore in the first two movies, right? Not in that it's like, but it's like ridiculous. More intense necessarily. There just is more of it, yeah. and yeah, and I think Pinhead ultimately kills so many people that this movie kind of becomes really bleak, even as silly yeah. as it is. And even it's bleak, even just looking at the fates of characters like Doc and Terry, and even to a degree JP, like it's kind of a cynical movie in a way that I don't know that specifically Hellraiser 2, but even the first one are. Yeah, I feel like in the first one, I mean, with with Kirstie, of course, you're following like such a good character like not good as in well written even though she is but i mean like a good pure character and you do kind of get that in this one but it's such a big ensemble that she's really because like in the first one you have the dad and you have her and the second one you have uh, tiffany and you have her and so you kind of feel that there's more good in the world where this one it's not as much and even like terry who's good is kind of like dealing with jp she loves them she can't break away so like everyone's life is kind of shitty in this movie where like Kirstie's life is only made shitty by the Cenobites. Like she was having a pretty good time. It was the nineties. We were, we were all cynical then. (laughs) It's crazy to call a movie as silly as this cynical. And I recognize that, but I, I think a difference here, something that separates this movie for better or worse. I'm not putting a value judgment on it. I'm just saying something that separates this movie from the first two is the shift from a villain protagonist in Julia to a hero protagonist in uh, Joey. Because Kirsty is the final girl in Hellraiser and Hellbound, but she's not the protagonist. Julia is the protagonist of Hellraiser and Hellbound. And when we switch perspectives like that, I think... It, it's, it can be jarring tonally, which it is, right? If you watch Hellraiser 1, 2, 3 success, in succession, the third one feels really weird tonally, where the first two feel pretty pretty uneven ground tonally, right? Even if you, yeah. not, even if you think that quality-wise they're not, they not on um, even ground. But... Uh, and then the fourth one just like is all over the place totally. Um, it's a weird movie, and that's really all you can have to prepare. Um, I'm curious. And and then it shifts back though because it shifts back to having a villain protagonist in four, which is which oh. is the thing. Yeah, that is weird. Yeah, and it's and, a, you know the ones I. Ones that I remember, because I remember the one with uh, the guy from Oz, and then I've seen the one with uh, Lance Hendrickson, 
And those I also kind of have belly protect. Yeah. There's a lot of like, yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, that a lot of the protagonists in this series are villains. Yeah, Lance Henriksen is quite the villain in his Hellraiser, Hellraiser movie. Um, it's that's actually that movie's just Pumpkinhead, if we're being real. <laughs> <laughs> I have to. I, I haven't seen him forever. I just remember the Lance Henriksen and what he's that he's ultimately. I mean, you don't have him in a two thousands horror film without him being a little bit evil. But um, yeah, interesting. And it's this, crazy. This series is. As bad as five through eight are, nothing can prepare you for how bad nine is. Is nine the one without him? Doug Bradley is not in nine or ten. But ten at least has a lot of stuff going on, so it's not boring. I don't know if we'll get there. (laughs) Ten rocks. Let's be real. I mean, it, it suffers a little bit from there not being Doug Bradley, but it's uh, a cool movie. Nine, however. Nine. I I don't think there's anything good about Nine, and I try and find something good to say about every movie. I've even a nice thing about Freddy's Dead in the past, and yeah. um, once on my own podcast when I covered that movie because I said... I had imposed a rule that we had to say something nice about every movie. And there were nice things to say. I'm not, like... I think Hellraiser Revelations... It's hard to say definitively if any movie is the worst movie you've ever seen. But Hellraiser Revelations is definitely in my in my mind if I ever go there, you know? Yeah. And to be, I mean, Hellraiser, like, it's so bad that, like, the other day I was, um, I was, like, at my parents' house and they have cable. So I was, like, flipping through cable and it showed up. And from, like, one second of footage, I was like, oh, that's Hellraiser, the bad one. Because <laughs> it's so, like, it's not just bad, like, story-wise. It's so incompetently made that it legit looks like not even, like, a college kid's movie. It looks kind of like a when, like, a teenager has a, his family's camcorder and is using it to, like, make, like, his friends fight each other. You know, like, it's such a bad-looking movie. I don't know. It's, it's, it's almost funny how terrible it is. Yeah, and I, I, I DM'd Andrew right before we started, um, and I was like, I think the transfer I watched was pretty shitty because um, I did not stream this on HBO Max. I streamed this on my Xbox through the Microsoft Movies app, and um, because a couple months ago it wasn't streaming anywhere, and so I just bought it in just like to have it if I ever wanted to watch it, and then I had a reason to watch it all of a sudden. So I was like, I will make that three dollar purchase mean yeah. something, but. It was so grainy. I couldn't see anything. Yeah, that's especially because this movie isn't like, if anything, another good and bad thing about it is that the lighting matches the tone, but that's because the lighting is pretty bright. Like, it's surprisingly bright for a horror movie, and there's so many deaths. It, it's, it's surprisingly like- bright for a Hellraiser movie, especially. Mm-hmm. The first two lean into the gothic atmosphere, um, not only in set construction, but in how, you know, they shoot the film. And this film 
is shot like a 90s action movie. Yeah. That, that, and, but I like that about <laughs> I, I admire it. I think it's bold. Yeah, I think it's a very good... It, it does kind of feel like a Freddy's Dead... Not Freddy's Dead, but Freddy's Revenge situation where like, you can tell that the creators like the characters and they weren't trying to like deviate. It's just kind of how they saw the character. Like, you know, like how Freddy's Dead doesn't really follow the, the continuity, but they're getting the basics right. And so it almost feels like a remake, but it's not really... And that's kind of how this feels. So, like, despite the despite the flaws, I still think it's worth watching. I think it's I think it's good. I think you guys should check it out. I know you keep meaning to say Freddy's Revenge and saying Freddy's Dead, but Freddy's Dead also looks like this movie. Yes. They're shot very. <laughs> Freddy's Dead looks, looks like a sitcom. Like if you <laughs> if you told me that those filmed on like the Roseanne set, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. And that's now why Roseanne's there. there. Pinhead yeah. had been pushing a bed of spikes to, to land beneath someone better, and then yeah. wipe the sweat <laughs> off his brow. The only, the only Freddy joke that I think is funny in Freddy's Dead, the only joke he has that I like is when he is the Wicked Witch of the West. Yeah. And See, that, I, that's the nice thing. Because I'm like... That's Freddy, and then he keeps it up for the whole movie, and I'm like, this is a cartoon character. Oh man. I mean he's literally And also some of his jokes don't make sense in that movie. We don't have to go into it, but Yeah. Yeah, it's a fun Needless to say, watch Freddy's Dead. Watch this. Watch, watch Freddy's Dead, come back, watch it again, and then go see Hellraiser 3. Let us know. And you'll have a better time the third time because you'll be watching Hellraiser 3, which is a better movie. Watch every episode of the Power Rangers and tell me what locations they used <laughs> for this movie. Because there's, I, I'm going to put up, I, we haven't been doing this, but I'm going to put up a shot of where Ivan Ooze came to life and a shot at the end of this movie. And I'm going to assume oh, the they're going to be the same. Right. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. Yes. But I, I feel like we'll see if I'm right. You guys owe me a subscription. But anyway, thank you guys for joining us on The Bomb Squad. It's always fun for Derek to come back. It's been a while. When was the last time we did one? Texas? Texas Almost a year ago. It was was for Texas Chainsaw, the new one from last year. That I liked. Didn't like last year's Hellraiser. I did like last year's Texas Chainsaw. You didn't like McConaughey Texas Chainsaw either. See? No, I did did like that movie, and I was very defensive of that movie. I just ranked it lower than movies I thought were made better. Oh, that's right. I remember (laughs) where you ranked it. Yeah. Only numbers count in this game. Um, Yeah. And which also, yeah, that was also another one where it's like, I feel like me and Derek watched a different movie than everyone else because we liked that movie and everyone else hated it. Um, But yeah, so thank you. You open some, you lose some. Thank you for stopping by, and we'll see you I guys wish I next been so time. Sick, Jesus! I know Corona, Corona guys. I but, don't. Uh, I don't think I have COVID. I'm throwing that out there. Oh, for Wear your mask. I'm sorry. I was just kidding. I, I meant the era of Corona where people like yeah. get more sick. But Derek doesn't have coronavirus. No, I, I realized that. I, I was misleading. I have never had a recurring cough before. And I'm going on week two, almost at week three of this thing. 
So I don't know what that's about. Uh, I don't like it, though, and I don't recommend... Getting sick. Getting sick, I mean, yeah. I guess getting I sick, like, having a cough for more than, like, four or five days. It's a little ridiculous. It starts to hurt. Then you wake up every day and your like abs are sore because you've just like you don't realize until you go to sleep and like get, let them rest that they're like been in pain for the last twenty four hours. You know, yeah, no fun. Right. I don't recommend getting guys. If you live with your parents, they'll leave you alone for long enough where you can watch a laser three hell on earth and talk about it. Yeah, and Jennifer's body because I am actually I'm I'm prepping not right now, but I'm prepping for another podcast uh, sometime this week, uh, this coming week, where I'm talking about Jennifer's body, which is very exciting. Cool. Well, let us know, and I will put that link in our thing as well, so you guys can go check that out. Click this um, link, and let me put it where I'm pointing. Yeah, I'm be like, Click this link at the comments, because that's where it'll be. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you next time on The Bomb Squad. Thank you for listening to The Bomb Squad. Please give us a review and subscribe to us because it really helps us and it really means a lot. Thank you so much and we'll see you guys next time.